You're listening to The Relevant Truth Podcast. My name is Roger Mason. This podcast is dedicated to examining biblical truth. The Bible is overflowing with relevant truth useful in our everyday lives. Thus the title, Relevant Truth. The Bible was relevant to those that first heard it through the apostles and prophets. It is also timeless truth, which means that is relevant for us today in the 21st century. It is my hope that through this podcast, you will be both encouraged and challenged as we look at the Bible together. In today's podcast, we want to examine the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. The outline and some of the material for today's message is taken from Josh McDowell's book called The Resurrection Factor, a book I highly recommend that you uh, get a hold of and read. I have placed this book along with some other books on the subject of the resurrection of Jesus under book recommends in the podcast description. So let's begin today's podcast by reading Matthew's account of that very first Easter morning. Matthew 28 verses 1 to 15. Reading from the New King James Version. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him, behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And while he was going, behold, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported amongst the Jews until this day. What happened on that first Sunday that Jesus was resurrected from the dead? This earth-shattering event that altered the course of human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We must look at all four gospel accounts to get a complete picture of what happened that first Easter. Here's a quick summary of the events that happened that day. Matthew 28 verses 2 to 4 tells us an angel rolled away the stone from the tomb of Jesus before sunrise. 
Suddenly there was a great earthquake because an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. A group of women came to the tomb early Sunday morning in order to complete the burial ritual, which was done in haste on Friday night as the Sabbath approached. They discovered that the tomb was empty. That's found in all four Gospels, Matthew 28, 1, Mark 16, verses 1 and 2, Luke 24, verse 1, and John 20, and verse 1. Mary Magdalene left the other women to tell Peter and John the news about the empty tomb. John 20 verses 1 and 2 from the New Living Translation. Early Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, that would be John, the one whom Jesus loved, and she said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have put him. The other women remained at the tomb, while well, Mary Magdalene went to tell Peter and John the news. So they stayed at the tomb, saw angels who told them about the resurrection of Jesus. They left the tomb to tell the disciples the news of the resurrection. That's found in Matthew 28, verses 5-7. to and Mark 16, verses 5 to 7. Also, Luke 24, verses 4 to 8. Peter and John run to the tomb to see what Mary Magdalene was talking about. Luke 24, verse 12. John 20, verses 1 to 8. So let's read Luke 24, verse 12 in the New Living Translation. Peter ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. And then John 20, verses 3 and 4. This is also from the New Living Translation. Peter and the other disciple ran to the tomb to see. The other disciple outran Peter and got there first. Mary Magdalene returns to the tomb, and Jesus first appeared to Mary Magdalene alone in the garden. This is the first appearance of Jesus. This is described in detail in Mark 16, verses 9 to 11, and John 20, verses 11 to 18. Then Mary returns to the disciples to tell them that she had seen Jesus. Jesus appears to the other women as they are returning from the tomb. That's found in Matthew 28, verses 9 and 10. So this is the second appearance of Jesus to that group of women. Then Jesus instructs them to tell the disciples to meet him in Galilee. And these women return to the disciples and tell them that they saw Jesus. The guards report to the religious leaders. That's found in Matthew 28, verses 11 to 14. Again, this is reading from the New Living Translation. As the women were on their way into the city, some of the men who had been guarding the tomb went to the leading priests and told them what had happened. A meeting of all the religious leaders was called, and they decided to bribe the soldiers. They told the soldiers, You must say, Jesus' disciples came during the night while you slept and stole his body. If the governor hears about it, 
will stand up for you and everything will be all right. Jesus appears to Peter. There's no details about this appearance to Peter. It's just found in two places in the New Testament. So this is the third appearance of Jesus. Luke 24, verse 34. The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 5. He was seen by Peter. So Jesus appeared to two men on the road to Emmaus. That's found in Mark 16, verses 12 and 13, and Luke 24, verses 13 to 32. This is the fourth appearance of Jesus. Emmaus was a village about seven or eight miles northwest of Jerusalem. It would take two to three hours to walk that distance. This meant that the two disciples may have been talking to Jesus for a couple of hours as they walked along the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. As Cleopas and the other disciple who is not named walked, they were discussing the events of the past several days, including Christ's crucifixion and the report of his resurrection. As they walked, Jesus joined them, asking them what they were talking about. As Jesus engaged in conversation with these disciples, he pointed out to them from the Old Testament that the Bible predicted that these things must occur, that the Messiah must suffer these things. They did not recognize that they were talking to Jesus until they reached Emmaus. And as they sat to eat, they asked their new friend to ask God's blessing on the meal, not realizing that this was the risen Christ. He did so, and when Jesus broke the bread, they immediately realized that this was Jesus. Jesus disappeared from their presence, and as they recalled the walk and the talk that they had with him along the way, the two disciples returned to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples that they had seen Jesus. This is Luke 24, verse 35. Jesus then appeared to the ten apostles, excluding Thomas. This is found in Luke 24, verses 36 to 43, and John 20, verses 19 to 25. This is the fifth appearance of Jesus on that first Easter. Jesus showed the apostles his hands and his feet and explained to them that his body was physical and real. He even ate food before them. Luke 24, verses 45 and 46, And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. So he explained to the disciples that his death and resurrection were all part of God's redemption plan. And all of this is revealed in the Old Testament. By the end of the first Easter Sunday, Jesus had appeared five times to a number of his followers, including ten of his disciples at once. What we have recorded in the Gospels is the eyewitness account of those that saw the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus. What evidence is there that supports Christ's resurrection? This is the big idea in today's podcast. So today we want to look at six pieces of evidence found in the New Testament 
uh, supporting the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so this first piece of evidence is the broken Roman seal, Matthew 27, verses 65 and 66. There were many precautions that the Jewish religious leaders undertook to make sure that Jesus was dead and remained in the grave. Let's read Matthew 27, verses 62 to 64 from the New Living Translation. The leading priests and Pharisees went to see Pilate. They told him, Sir, we remember what this deceiver once said while he was still alive. After three days I will rise from the dead. So we request that you seal the tomb until the third day. This will prevent the disciples from coming and stealing his body and then telling everyone that he came back to life. If that happens, we'll be worse off than we were at first. So Pilate assigned a Roman guard to them. He ordered them to take the guard and secure it as best as you can. So they sealed the tomb and posted the guard to protect it. That's Matthew 27 verses 65 and 66 from the New Living Translation. The seal was a cord connected to either side of the mouth of the cave by a wax or clay seal. To roll the stone from the mouth of the tomb, they would have to break this seal. The seal stood for the power and authority of Rome. The Roman guards were stationed there to make sure that no one broke that Roman seal. The consequences of breaking the seal were severe. Execution by crucifixion upside down. The seal was placed in the wax or the clay in the presence of the Roman guard who were left in charge of protecting that seal. In order to break the seal, one would have to fight his way through 16 Roman guards. Nobody in their right mind would dare break this Roman seal. The presence of the Roman guard would make sure that the stealing of the body of Jesus would be impossible. The Jewish religious leaders did their best to make this tomb secure. The tomb was sealed. The guards were stationed to secure the tomb of Jesus. But their best security measures were just not good enough to prevent the resurrection of Jesus. The Bible tells us in Matthew 28 and verse 2, Suddenly there was a great earthquake because the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it. This supernatural event was out of the control of the soldiers. There was nothing the Roman guard could do to prevent this from happening. What other explanation is there for the broken Roman seal? The second piece of evidence is the empty tomb. Matthew 28 verses 5 and 6. Then the angel spoke to the woman. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has been raised from the dead just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. The angel explained that the tomb was empty because Jesus has risen from the dead. It is important to note that when the disciples first preached the resurrection of Jesus, it was in Jerusalem. It would have been the last place to preach on the resurrection of Jesus if the tomb of Jesus was still occupied by his body. All the religious leaders would have to do was take a short walk to the tomb to prove that these resurrection stories were false. 
their preaching would not have been received for one second if the tomb was not empty. The enemy of Christianity admitted that the tomb was empty. According to Matthew, the Jewish religious leaders specifically instructed the soldiers to tell this story. Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping, and they stole his body. That's Matthew 28, verse 13, New Living Translation. This was the story the soldiers were to tell. Justin Martyr, in his book, Dialogue with Trifo, written in 130 AD, he says this, I quote, The Jerusalem authorities sent a delegation through the Mediterranean world with the explanation of the empty tomb. The disciples stole the body. Unquote. The Jewish authorities knew that something beyond the control of the Roman guard had caused the tomb to be empty. The empty tomb is a silent testimony of the resurrection of Jesus. There are other explanations offered for the empty tomb. Christ's body was taken by the disciples. This is the official first century Jewish explanation. The wrong tomb theory. The disciples and early Christians went to the wrong tomb. This is another possible explanation. The authorities stole the body. That's another possible explanation, but this doesn't really make a lot of sense. And then Jesus resuscitated in the tomb. Jesus really didn't die. This is another possible explanation. These theories don't really line up with the known facts found in the Gospels. So how do we explain the empty tomb? This has to be explained. Of course, the New Testament Gospel explanation is that Jesus resurrected from the dead. The third piece of evidence is the large stone removed. Mark 16, verse 4, Luke 24, verse 2, and John 20, and verse 1. The first thing that impressed the people who approached the empty tomb of Jesus that Sunday morning was the unusual position of this one and a half to two ton stone that had been lodged in the doorway of the tomb. The Bible tells us that the stone covering the door of the tomb was a large stone. This meant that it would take more than a full Roman guard of 16 men to roll away the stone from the mouth of that tomb. This was a major task taking a lot of manpower. All four gospel writers mentioned the removal of that large stone from the mouth of the tomb. Matthew 27 and verse 60 tells us that Joseph of Arimathea rolled the large stone against the mouth of the tomb. The word rolled used there is the Greek word kulio, which means to roll. When Mark describes a stone, he says that it was a very large stone, but he uses a different Greek word. He uses the word anakulio, so he uses the same root word, kulio, but he adds the preposition ana to it, a-n-a. -A. The word anakulio means to roll upward or to roll something up a slope or up an incline. So let's read this. Mark 16 and verse 4. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. So the word rolled away used in Mark 16 verse 4 there is the word anaculio. It means to roll up an incline, to roll upward. So Mark describes that this large stone had been rolled up an incline to its present position. 
when Luke describes the stone, he says that the stone was some distance away from the tomb door. So he uses another Greek word, the word apokulio. So it's the same root word, kulio, but it has a different preposition added to the front of it. It has the word apo, A-P-O, to describe the stone. Apo means a separation from or a distance from. So the Greek word apokulio describes the stone as being a distance from the door of the tomb. So in Luke 24 and verse 2, it reads this, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. The word rolled away used there is the word apokulio. Luke describes that the stone was a distance from the door of the tomb. When John describes the stone, he says that the stone had been picked up and carried away from the door of the tomb. John uses a completely different Greek word altogether to describe the stone. John uses the verb a hero, which means to pick up something and to carry it away. So John 20 and verse 1 reads this way. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. The words taken away is the word a hero. The removal of the stone was no easy task. It was a large stone. It had to be rolled uphill and it was guarded by 16 soldiers. Yet the stone was carried away a great distance from the mouth of the tomb. Why would anyone bother to put such effort into carrying the stone such a great distance from the mouth of the tomb? How do we explain the removal of the stone from the mouth of the tomb? Again, the scripture's explanation is the resurrection of Jesus. If this is not your explanation, then you must come up with another. Let's move on to the fourth piece of evidence. The fourth piece of evidence is the Roman guard going AWOL. That's Matthew 28 verses 11 to 14. The guard unit of the Roman legion was sent to guard the tomb. These guards were great offensive and defensive fighters and highly disciplined. The Roman guard was between 4 to 16 men. Each man was trained to protect six feet of ground. Together, 16 men could protect 36 yards of ground, the area in front of the tomb. Four men were to watch and 12 men were to sleep. Every four hours, a new unit of four men would watch rotating around the clock. A guard found asleep on duty was put to death. This was a penalty for dereliction of duty. A sleeping guard was stripped of his clothes and burnt alive. This severe punishment produced flawless attention to one's duty, especially on the night watch. If the tomb was not empty, the soldiers would never have left their post. The Bible tells us that the guard shook for fear of him, that is the angel, and became like dead men when the angel opened the tomb. That's found in Matthew 28 and verse 4. The broken seal, the rolled away stone, and the empty tomb meant certain death for those guards. There was no other way to look at it. The guards had failed in their duty. 
Pilate had put the soldiers at the disposal of the Jewish Sanhedrin, so they reported back to the Sanhedrin. The only hope of survival for these Roman guards was to go back to the Jewish authorities and explain to them what had happened. What happened at the tomb was beyond their control. The Bible tells us some of the men who had been guarding the tomb went to the leading priests and told them what had happened. A meeting of all the religious leaders was called and they decided to bribe the soldiers. They told the soldiers, you must say, Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you and everything will be all right. That's Matthew 28 verses 11 to 14 in the New Living Translation. The soldiers were paid off to tell a story which would incriminate them. Sleeping on duty was punishable by death under Roman law. The Jewish authorities bribed the Roman soldiers to lie about what had happened. They promised to intervene and protect them from punishment. The guards had no other option but to incriminate themselves and tell this lie. How would you explain the AWOL Roman guards? Why would the Roman guard abandon the tomb? The fifth piece of evidence is the empty grave clothes. John 20 verses 4 to 8. Jesus was buried according to the custom of the Jews. John 19 and verse 40 from the New Living Translation. Together they wrapped Jesus' body in a long linen cloth with the spices, as is the Jewish custom of burial. John 19 and verse 39 tells us that there were a hundred pounds of spices that were used in the burial of Jesus. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. The body was wrapped with strips of cloth mixed with the burial spices. First the body was wrapped from the feet to the armpits. Then the arms were wrapped, starting with the tip of the fingers and going up to the neck. The head was wrapped last. The Gospels describe these grave clothes remaining in the tomb without the body of Jesus. Peter and John looked in the tomb to see the undisturbed grave clothes, like an empty caterpillar cocoon. The body was gone, but the grave clothes had been left behind. These strips of cloth had encircled the body with the burial spices still intact. The empty grave clothes were without a body, like the body in the grave clothes had just disappeared, causing the weight of the spices to collapse because the support of the body had been removed. It's like the resurrected body of Jesus Christ had passed through the cloth wrappings, leaving them undisturbed. The headpiece, or the face cloth, was still wrapped together, rolled up. The description John gives us is that the headpiece had maintained its shape and had not collapsed. If the group of thieves had taken the body of Jesus, they would not have left the grave clothes behind. The fact that the grave clothes were left behind shows that the body had not been taken by thieves because they would not have taken the time to remove the body from the grave clothes. Then Simon Peter came, following him, that's John, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, 
not lying with the linen cloths, and folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. That's John 20, verses 6 to 8. The Bible says that John believed. He saw and he believed. What did John believe? He believed that Jesus had resurrected from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus was the only possible explanation for what he saw. How do you explain the empty grave clothes? Why would they be discarded and left behind without the body? The only possible explanation, I believe, is that Jesus truly resurrected from the dead. The last piece of evidence is the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. Jesus appeared to many people after his death and resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 6 says this, He appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now. The statement that Paul makes in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 6 could be validated because there were many of those people who were still alive and who had seen Jesus after his death. They were eyewitnesses. Josh McDowell says this, and I quote, 500 people giving six minutes of testimony each would be 50 hours of first-hand eyewitness testimony that Jesus was alive. Unquote. There are a number of factors that lend credibility to the evidence given in the scriptures for the resurrection of Jesus. Many people saw the resurrected Jesus. There are at least 15 separate accounts of one or more people seeing Jesus alive after his death. So let's go over these very quickly. There's Mary Magdalene who was the first person to see Jesus. That's found in John 20 and verse 14. Then there are the other women who returned from the empty tomb. That's found in Matthew 28, verses 9 and 10. Notice the first two resurrection appearances of Jesus were to women or groups of women. Then Peter later sees Jesus on that first day. That's Luke 24, verse 34, and 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 5. And in both of these cases, it's just briefly mentioned that Peter saw Jesus. The two Emmaus Road disciples, one named Cleophas and one unnamed disciple. That's in Luke 24, verses 13 to 33. Then we have the ten apostles excluding Thomas. That's in Luke 24 and in John 20. And then we have the apostles, including Thomas, found in John 20. We have the seven disciples at the lake of Tiberias. That's John 21. We have the multitude of 500. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 6. We have James, the brother of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 7. We have the 11, Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. We have those who were at the ascension of Jesus, Acts 1, verses 3 to 12. We have the Apostle Paul at his conversion, Acts 9, 3 to 6, and 1 Corinthians 15, verse 8. We have Stephen, Acts chapter 7. We have Paul in the temple, Acts 22 and Acts 23. And we have John in the Isle of Patmos, Revelation 1, verses 10 to 19. Notice a couple of things about this list. No two appearances of Jesus are alike. 
Some saw Jesus in the morning, some saw Jesus in the afternoon, some saw Jesus in the evening. Some saw Jesus in the open air, some saw Jesus in a closed room, groups of people saw Jesus, and individuals saw Jesus. Another authentic feature is that the first two resurrection appearances were to women. According to the Jewish principles of legal evidence, a woman's testimony was invalid and not acceptable. If these resurrection accounts were manufactured, they would not have included women. There were several hostile witnesses that saw Jesus. We have Thomas, known as Doubting Thomas. We have the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9. Paul was a persecutor of Christians. He was not a supporter of Christianity before his conversion. And then we have the Roman soldiers. These are all what we call hostile witnesses. One of the most touching resurrection appearances of Jesus is the appearance of Jesus to Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is one of the prominent women disciples of Jesus, mentioned 14 times in the scriptures. The Bible clearly tells us that Jesus first appeared to Mary Magdalene. Mark 16 and verse 9. It was early on Sunday morning when Jesus arose from the dead, and the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was one of the followers or disciples of Jesus. Luke gives us a list of women who were touched by the ministry of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene was listed in that group of women. This probably was why she became a disciple of Jesus. Luke 8 verse 2 Among them was Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Jesus had many women who supported and followed him, and Mary Magdalene was amongst that group. In Matthew 27, it lists a group of women who were at the crucifixion of Christ and witnessed his death. Mary Magdalene was a part of that group of women. Matthew 27, verses 55 and 56 from the New Living Translation. Many women who had come from Galilee with Jesus to care for him were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and Zebedee's wife, the mother of James and John. John also mentions that Mary Magdalene was at the crucifixion and stood by the cross. John 19 verse 25 from the New Living Translation. Standing near the cross where Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. She was there when Jesus was placed in the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where Jesus' body was laid. Mark 15, verse 47 in the New Living Translation. A group of women... Mary Magdalene amongst them purchased burial spices to complete the burial of Jesus. Jesus was buried in haste because of an approaching Sabbath, and their plan was to return to the tomb of Jesus early Sunday morning and complete this task and bury him properly. The next evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene and Salome and Mary the mother of James went out and purchased burial spices to put on Jesus' body. 
That's Mark 16 and verse 1 from the New Living Translation. Mary was the first of the women at the tomb Sunday morning. John 20 and verse 1 from the New Living Translation. Early Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She was the first to report to Peter and John that the tomb was empty. John 20 and verse 2. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and she said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and I do not know where they have put him. That's John 20 and verse 2 from the New Living Translation. John 20 verses 11 to 18 describes in detail Jesus' appearance to Mary Magdalene. Peter and John went home after seeing the empty tomb. John 20 and verse 11, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. Here we see the love and devotion of this woman for Jesus. She kept a lonely vigil outside the tomb, weeping because she thought the body of Jesus had been taken by the Lord's enemies. Verse 11, as she wept, she stood and looked in. She looked into the tomb and saw the two angels who asked her this question. Why are you crying? The angels asked her. This is John 20 and verse 13. Mary did not seem to have any fear or surprise at the presence of the angels. Mary answered, Because they have taken away the Lord, she replied, and I do not know where they have put him. This is John 20 and verse 13. At this point, something caused her to look out of the tomb. Jesus was standing behind her, but she did not recognize him. It was still early in the morning, and perhaps it was still dark. She had been weeping, perhaps her vision was clouded. For whatever the reason, she did not recognize the Lord. Jesus asked her, Why are you crying? Who are you looking for? That's John 20 and verse 15. She thought he was a gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. That's John 20 and verse 15. This is the third time that she expresses concern that someone has taken the body of Jesus. Mary now hears a familiar voice calling her by name. There was no mistaking the fact that this was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. That's John 20 and verse 16. She calls him Rabboni, which means teacher. She grabbed Jesus and was holding on to him as if she would never let him go. The Bible uses the word cling. It means to fasten oneself to or to hold on to. Do not cling to me, Jesus said, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. That's John 20 and verse 17. Jesus was not saying to Mary, Mary, you're defiling me. You need to let go of me. I have not yet ascended to my Father. Jesus was explaining to Mary that he could not stay on earth because he had to ascend to the Father. Her relationship with the visible, physical Jesus was going to change. That Jesus would no longer be with his disciples visibly or physically. That he would be with them in spirit. 
Jesus could not stay on earth with them, for his destiny was to go to be with the Father. Mary later reported to the disciples that she had seen the resurrected Lord. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. That's John 20 and verse 18. This story of Mary Magdalene is so human, so uncontrived. It truly reads like an authentic eyewitness account of a woman who was distraught over where a group of thieves had laid the body of Jesus. Mary Magdalene was a passionate follower of Jesus who gave her time, her energy, and her wealth to the Lord's work. She faithfully followed Jesus throughout his ministry. Even when the eleven disciples fled with fear after Christ's arrest, Mary lingered lovingly in the background all the way to the cross, witnessing the whole painful ordeal. Mary not only witnessed the crucifixion of Jesus, but she was there for the burial of Christ in the tomb. She was the first to the empty tomb early Easter morning, and she was the first to see the resurrected Jesus. Mary Magdalene was a faithful and devoted follower of Jesus who witnessed firsthand his death, his burial, and his resurrection from the dead. To summarize, the resurrection explains the broken Roman seal, the empty tomb, the large stone removed from the tomb, the Roman guard going AWOL, the empty grave clothes, and the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus to many witnesses. This is all part of the historical evidence that the Gospels present to us in support of the resurrection of Jesus. All of these facts together present a powerful argument for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Join us in two weeks, Saturday, May the 3rd, for our next episode of Relevant Truth. We will be talking about God's purpose for adversity. Thanks for listening.